Hey there, and welcome back to Pixel Sift for episode 40. That's 4-0. I'm Gianni, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch and Scott. <laughs> yes, you are. Yep. Today we'll be chatting with Darcy Smith. He's from League of Geeks, who are, of course, the devs behind the digital board game Armello. Basically, what I'm saying is Twitch is the next television. Like... And and it's interactive as well. So it's some it's somewhere in between being able to play a game and watching content. It falls somewhere in between there, and it's a it's a big deal. And I think developers should be paying attention to that. We chat all about how streaming has become a big part of business uh, of making the game of Armello and the future of media and broadcasting. Yeah, we'll also be talking sportsmanship and games. Have you ever experienced a sore loser or an arrogant winner? We'll be exploring the culture of competitive multiplayer. And lastly, everyone wants to show off their hard-earned loot in games, but what happens when that loot isn't learnt in game? Earned in game? Earned in game. Yeah, there you go. But purchased with real money instead. We're looking at classism in games today and how people are divided into the haves and the have-nots. Gnarly. All that and more? <laughs> Odd pixel sift. My lap. laptop cables can. It's like... <laughs> Here and it's annoying me. <laughs> let's okay, jump into let's it. Let's go. So wrong. You're listening to Pixel All right, laptop cable fixed. All right. So when spending even a small amount of time on PvP multiplayer games, it quickly becomes clear that the idea of sportsmanship seems lost to a lot of the players in the online environments. There is no doubt a strong sense of community and companionship ingrained in the gaming world. But why is it that we all jump, have jump at the chance to kick the other guy when they're down? It doesn't always happen, though. doesn't but always But there are happen. people out there who obviously, you know, weren't given one of those I ran in a race ribbons at, <laughs> in uh, primary school or anything like that. Participation awards. Yeah, participation awards. You know, one of the things that you taught whenever you did school sport or whatever was that you're supposed to respect the uh, the other players. Right. It's just a game. Um, but it doesn't seem to translate when you're playing online games for a lot of people, um, you know, who just kind of don't take a win with graciousness and uh, humility, uh, but kind of do stick the boot in um, and, you know. We, we did actually kind of touch a little bit on this when we talked about smurfing. That's right. And um, I, wanted, I, f- I forget the gentleman who said, it's just fun sometimes just to really kick someone at the game that when they can't really fight yeah. back for I mean, some reason. And that's fine. You know, beating someone terribly is fine, but being a good sport afterwards is a whole other thing. And I think that's kind of the difference you know, that we're trying to set aside here yeah that there is a lot of bad sports in video game culture unfortunately um and like you said it's not all of them it doesn't happen all the time but when it does it's just like come on bro or lass <laughs> come on player of video on, game <laughs> uh you know evenly poor well, person you can argue that it, if it's within the within the mechanics of the video game to do what you do it's actually all right and to an extent yeah it's fine i, I mean like i mean i don't want to i don't want to condone being an arrogant person online, but and like taking it really taking advantage of the enemy's weakness. But I guess it does seem that if the video game allows you to do that, then by all means go for it. Yeah. So I, I guess what you and you're saying there, it's like if the gaming mechanics kind of allow it, say like you know the old teabagging once you've killed someone <laughs> sort of thing in like a first person shooter or whatever. You know that, that stuff. I think it's kind of funny, and it doesn't really hurt anyone too much. And if you take it too seriously, you probably just chill out a little bit. But I think we're more referring to the actual kind of comments and the, and the, like yeah. the to- toxic uh, back and forth that can happen uh, in 
you know that kind of versus related gaming. One of the I guess one of the big things about this is that you know the the culture in in gaming has you know then there is a culture in it but it has sort of evolved over time and it was this situation where it did used to be kind of the wild west where anything mm-hmm. goes and you know people kind of invent their own rules about what's okay and what's not okay and gaming is much bigger now than it used to be there are a lot more people in there who weren't part of that original um, yep. situation and not viewed through the context of what happened. You know, these things can be, uh, you know, and, and, and actually are uh, quite offensive to people. And this sort of behavior that people see online, you know, um, there, I mean, there's always been an element of trash talking whenever you're playing in games and stuff. You know, people do it in, in cricket or whatever. They sledge people on the field. And, you know, that's part of what it is in a competitive environment. And at the end, you're supposed to shake hands. And But one of the things that we've seen is that, you know, for example, you uh, I know Mitch, you've been playing a lot of uh, uh, Overwatch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, people don't take that win graciously. They kind of, you know, go, you know, good game. But that was, you know, the, the thing Easy. is, yeah. I didn't get it because I read this in my Australian accent. Yeah. And I said... G G E Z. What does that mean? And then they're like, "No, it's easy." Good game, like, easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, and like, it's that's exactly it. It's okay. I think that kind of thing is really unnecessary because unless, like, even if it was, I mean, they know. And like, you can rub it in your face. That's fine. But like, draw the line somewhere. I guess you know, be be gracious in your win or even defeat. Like, it's a balance between, I guess, in, in, as far as dealing with these people <laughs> that are making you know your uh, com- competition maybe a little bit too hot. But uh, it's a balance between calling out douche antics uh you know within the community and also but also not playing into their grubby little troll hands well could could the fun of it be getting revenge on the players that do like do like not so fair things because in in gta i think i got a clip queued up james if you could play that for me (laughs) um it's it's my personal experience in gta and this is a clip of me this getting doesn't work justice. for the radio people. You've got to describe it. Oh, yeah. Tell it's, us the story. This is it, yeah. So pretty much what happens here is I'm in my car and there were two people harassing pretty much everyone in the server with helicopters and I took them down in a pretty fantastic manner with my minigun. And that that was pretty fun to just take down just the bullying people. Yeah, I mean, And I guess that's part of it. This isn't a gaming phenomenon. Like, uh, you know, it's a competitive thing. Uh, some people are good sports. Some people aren't. Um, but as you said, like as the growth of uh, online gaming has kind of happened, we've had a lot of people come in that weren't always gaming uh, and they haven't always kind of obeyed the community rules or whatever or worked within the community. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I was going with I that. think as well that you, you know, we talk about particular things develop when the, the culture is a particular way and that sometimes these things sort of develop in a vacuum because there is only a very sort of select, narrow type of person. Mm-hmm. And, and as you start including other people in there, you know, their behavior is kind of drawn into a, you know, comparison to what they are behaving in the real world context because you have people from real world, different backgrounds, different experiences, you know, some of the things that they do, you know, don't fly if you take it out of that thing. And people go, oh, look, this is something we've always done. This is the way it's always been. But that's not, you know, freedom of speech that's, is not freedom of consequence. Well, just because things have always been that way doesn't mean that's a good reason for the for it being Look, that way there's now. plenty of political parties out there who would disagree <laughs> with you. But, you know, yeah, that's right. Just because something's been something the one way for the whole time doesn't mean that you can kind of continue it on, especially if people are kind of pushing back on this and saying, you know, this sort of behavior is not something that makes the game fun. Um, for me to to play, um, and you know, doesn't actually you know isn't enjoyable. So that's, that's the thing I, I I dislike about this is that you can just by competitive com, being competitive is fine. Um, you know, you can have your dif, uh, your differences in your level of competitiveness, but just realize that not everybody's there to kind of you know 
uh, absolutely win everything. And also, like, you're going to scare away a lot of kind of potential community members by being acidic and toxic to people. I don't know. I think <laughs> I wish if everyone could just get along. But um, obviously, that's not realistic. Well, you know, it, you know, having a dialogue between people and, and sort of understanding the difference of, of people's perspectives and things is the way that we kind of get to this nice ground. I mean, some, some developers... It's a bit too nice, I think. I yeah, this might be idealistic yeah, as well. Yeah, it's far but, too idealistic. And, you know, obviously some developers are taking the steps where they actually are, you know, stopping communication in completely unrestrained um, ways. They're saying, you know, for example, Hearthstone, you know, there's only a limited number of interactions you can have in that. And that means anyone could pick it up. You know, your your six-year-old little brother or sister could play the game against, you know, a 40-year-old Hearthstone pro, and they're going to have a fun time if they're on the other side of the world because there's no negativity in none of this. A little bit of sledging is fine, don't get me wrong, but it's when, you know, it's 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 a dude, be, be basically just being a douchebag. But yeah. it, You it, don't need to be a douchebag, so don't be. Simple we, as that. We covered this a bit when we talked about toxicity earlier in Pixelsiv mm. and it was like it, it, we, we talked about is cutting off communication or like severely limiting limiting it is that really the way to solve the communication problem like to solve the toxicity problem and I'm, I'm not really sure about that I'm not I'm not sure that that's really the way I think just... in a lot of ways that yeah having consequences for your actions is you know very important mm. um, I don't but I mean these places aren't free speech you are playing in sort of things that are not public forums if you know what i mean this is something that's owned by someone um and they're not a free zone you there are consequences of that and and they set their own community rules so that's true but yeah anyway let's jump into our next topic you're listening to pixel sift or you might be watching pixel sift on twitch pixel sift Earlier this year, I had the pleasure of speaking to Darcy Smith. He's a community manager at Melbourne's League of Geeks. You may remember we also spoke to Trent Custers, who was also from League of Geeks last year in episode 11 about their game, Armello. So that was a good, you know, 29 episodes ago. So long ago. Since then, Twitch has become an increasingly important part of what League of Geeks does. And I talked to Darcy about why it's important to the studio and what streaming means to the future game of game development and of media. So uh, my, my name is Darcy Smith. I uh, am a, the community manager here at League of Geeks. Um, I manage the, the Facebook, Twitter and sort of all the social fronts and uh, streaming on Twitch is a big initiative for us. We, we use it as a tool really regularly. So uh, we we stream our own game Armello um, quite regularly. We do that, that several times a week, and we also have a slot for like a variety stream where we can cover a, um, a separate a, another developer's game essentially. So what we do basically what we see in it is it's connecting directly in the most raw sense to to our audience. Um, I feel like there's a big stigma at the moment where video game developers aren't necessarily thought of as as human or people uh, and you might you might look at uh, a company like blizzard or you know ea and uh, or bioware and be like oh thanks blizzard thanks bioware for like ruining my favorite game or whatever or making a, a particular design decision and when we have our uh, like when we front as a crew in on a live feed on a camera people get the opportunity to have a live dialogue with us 
So it's sort of pushing our brand while pushing the game and really solidifying the fact that we are people. And what sort of the preparation you do when you're putting together, you know, one of the streams that you do each week? What do you do to kind of get ready for it all? In terms of getting ready, it's it's very easy because we've set up uh, sort of a station where the streaming takes place. It's basically organizing the people that will come on stream. But we, we did have large discussions as to what the intention was behind each of the streams that we do and what what each of those streams serves um, for, for the company, how it's beneficial. And they're beneficial in sort of different ways. I mean, in the most obvious ways, one of our sessions, the devs versus community sessions, we, we get the opportunity to actually play with our our community members. And that's really cool for from their perspective because, you know, how, how often can you go and play with a developer? Um, and, and that community interaction is like a big focus for that sort of session. Um, and, you know, the midweek melee session is more about getting to know the developers and giving uh, giving sort of more of an insight, like a looking through the window into the, the studio dynamics, like who we all are and how we interact with each other. And they're sort of the, the broad um, the broad sort of uh, view of what those sessions are about. The other thing I wanted to ask about is when you actually do get other people's games on there and play. Yeah. I was watching a stream and you were playing the, the game Obliterators. Yes. And you actually had the devs on there doing sort of a Q&A themselves. How does that sort of come about? Well, I mean, we, we have sort of a, we're in an interesting situation because we stream and we're, we're sort of growing more and more serious about it. Um, we, we are actually developers first. So we have these relationships with different developers and we're, we're very in touch of what the community's up to in terms of game development. So that, those sorts of conversations come along because uh, it, it can be either way. Some, sometimes developers contact us and they're like, hey, we see that you stream and it'd be totally cool if you checked it out. Sometimes we'll hit up them or sometimes we'll just go. Sometimes we don't even hit up the developers. We'll just love their game um, and, and, and just launch into it essentially. But that, that session is for us about sort of, you know, promoting, promoting games that we really love. Um, and and pro, like sort of promoting the developers we really love. So it's a, a sort of a development, um, a, sort of like a studio to studio uh, relationship sort of thing. I guess you're kind of building the community with devs like you do with the people who actually play your game as well. That's it. And, and I mean, being in Australia and I, I, we sort of, uh, we, we worked really hard to become sort of an international game. Armello is very much an international title app. We're sort of biggest in America and all over the world, essentially. Um, so some developers in Australia really struggle to connect with the the broader audience, I think. And where we, in whatever way we can help, um, we're we're happy to do that. I mean, we want to see the industry grow in Australia as well as um, you know just our game. Would you recommend other um, developers think about? doing similar things to what you have done uh, or is it kind of are you in a sort of a unique position do you think that you know some other smaller indies that might be sitting in the arcade on the other side might not be able to pull off it's uh, it's pretty difficult I guess we've got a decent team size we've got you know 10 of us sitting in the studio and um and some so we get work from people that aren't necessarily in the studio as well so so I guess with indie development there's always the issue of resources and, and what time you can spare to do what and I guess in indie development the the people part of the team wear so many hats you know like you might have one person like you, it could be a two-man team working on an iPhone game and you know one of the people one of the person like 
one of the members of the team is, you know, marketing the game, designing the game and doing the art and then the other person's coding it and like doing the sound, you know. So to, to wedge streaming into that is a big is a big thing. Um, and not only that, I guess streaming is uh, surprisingly exhausting. Um, to be switched on and to be uh, likable and to be talking to maintain accurate uh, in, in active conversation is is quite difficult. And sometimes, especially people that do it for the first time, it's like doing a stage show almost. But I don't know. There's something that saps energy, like a, a tank of charisma, if you will, that gets depleted over time when you're streaming. So there's that other element of, you know, exhaustion that comes with it that that isn't sort of obvious from a distance. What are some of the best experiences that you've had that you've felt that have been like, well, this has been, you know, totally worth the time and effort? Well, every now and then uh, people will stop by and just say, like, praise us for not only our game, but the, the time that we take to to be people and, and to be accessible. Like we, we do everything in our power. We devote as many resources we can to answer every question from every channel. And I guess that can be sort of rare, especially when we're stepping into this, um, this zone of being sort of a medium-sized company now. Um, it, it's sometimes it's really hard to, to get that back and forth dialogue. So that's always really rewarding when people go out of their way to let us know that they really appreciate that mentality that we've sort of spent so much time and effort to, to cultivate. Um, other than that, just getting like getting big numbers on a stream is, is really cool. Like having a couple hundred people watching you play play games because they just think you're you're entertaining. Um, and they they like the product, they like the content that you're streaming. Like, there's some inherent. Maybe that's just my ego speaking, but there's something very rewarding about that. When Twitch plays Pokemon came through, that blew everyone's mind because now you have you know tens of thousands of people playing a game all together, um, chatting, and just it's all chaos. Like, and I think that if developers out there didn't see that there's something happening like that twitch is basically what i'm saying is twitch is the next television like and and it's interactive as well so it's some it's somewhere in between being able to play a game and watching content it falls somewhere in between there and it's a it's a big deal and i think developers should be paying attention to that there are things that can be done with this tool that we haven't seen yet are you thinking about doing a, a build of twitch plays armello <laughs> I no, I, I that would be chaos. I <laughs> I can't imagine that. I I don't know. Just it, float I, it, Darcy. I'm just saying. <laughs> all you need to do is just say credit to Giardi for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll we'll consider it. I'll put it. Uh, I'll put it to the board. Darcy Smith there of League of Geeks. You can follow Darcy on Twitter. He's Darcy W. Smith, and he's a funny guy, so I definitely recommend having a follow of him. Uh, you can also watch the antics of Darcy, Lacey, and the rest of the League of Geeks team over on their Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv forward slash League of Geeks. Did you know Pixel Ziv is available on other platforms? You can find previous episodes on iTunes, Pocket Casts, YouTube, and on the Pixel Ziv website. 
So, video games are now more accessible than ever, with games made available through app stores as well as other digital distribution platforms such as Steam. It's never been easier to get your hands on cheap or even free games. In saying this, getting into gaming can still be difficult with consoles or handholds still being a large monetary hurdle for some. This brings us today's, to today's final topic, classism in video games. While free apps, etc. do help in reducing the gap in access, there is still a definite ability to ensure you remain on top of class warfare if you have the means. Now, this is something that I can really understand. Um, I've only just recently upgraded to the current gen console PlayStation and I grew up in like, you know, not the richest of homes. So although I did always have consoles and that's why I'm such a console um, hussy now, uh, you know, it wasn't a quick thing. I never had it when it first came out. I always have to wait just as I had for the PS4, you know, for it to come down in price and to be more accessible. Uh, I think that I think that's something that a lot of people can relate with. And there's also the I guess the divide between stuff that is available in games now as well. Yeah, yeah, it you doesn't know. just stop. It, like I said, it doesn't just stop in their hands. Not just being able to. Yeah, there's also so much more on top. So you know, you said that you've just jumped in on the PlayStation thing, and then to to get to the point where other people may have been already purchasing bits and pieces together, uh, bits and pieces of other video stuff. They you know may have been way ahead of you and may have spent a lot more money than you have, and you know it seems a bit. Uh, sort of, you know, divisive almost if, you know, you're going to have these two kind of chasms between people who can afford to pay the money. And, and that's it, exactly that. It doesn't even uh, single out to, you know, just apps and whatever. Say if there's, say with your Pokemon Go at the moment, the, the phenomenon that's kind of, you know, rocking the globe. It's a free to buy game, uh, free to, you know, start game. Of course, you don't buy it because it's free. But in-app purchases can rocket you up to, you know, levels that others might not be able to achieve through you know, lots and lots of grind work or whatever. I already know of someone who spent three hundred ish dollars on nice. that game already. Um, you know, and that's something that not everyone has the ability to do. No and one you has don't it. Have to do? No, you don't have to. But it has an obvious and necessary advantage because you know you're paying money for something. Yeah, and it's actually you know because this is a multiplayer game and you are competing against other people in the world. Those people who do spend the cash are sort of rocketing ahead in terms of pro progression, and you know it does create the situation where if you're just starting out, there is sort of a bit of a gulf between where you can actually you know compete against it it does seem that like with with the microtransactions like they have a really they have a really like bad reputation ever since the 2006 Bethesda and horse armor that yeah. came out and I guess like for for what it's worth I guess most I guess we've credited games that just give you the like com cosmetic update and like cosmetic thing and like they don't really help you really advance power wise through the game, and people tend to accept that a bit more. I don't. Know. What do you well, I mean, that? there is sort of you know, like think about this: the big factor of the Counter Strike Go fiasco that's been happening over the last month or so or more was the fact that they're selling individualized skins, mm -hmm. cosmetic, right? No effect on the game, gun works exactly the same. Mm. But there is a status associated with owning those skins, and some of those skins are worth hundreds of dollars. Right. And, you know, it's created this whole secondary market where people are now, you know, throwing heaps of cash into uh, the, uh, basically, into the actual game. Yeah. And, you know, there are people who can't access it. Yeah. I mean, you know, go, Mitch. Yeah, well, because, like, I guess... When people can't access it, it does create, like, its own little exclusive thing, like, within the game. And, like, it, it creates, like, a demand for those items, and it creates, like, a little culture inside. So, I guess, 
when you're looking at these things from like an end user perspective, you want special things and you want things to be worth, I guess, you want them to be as tangible as possible without them actually existing. So I guess in the end, it creates a sort of value system within the community. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, though, uh, games are, you know, tend to be or try to be all inclusive. Um, but, you know, in app purchases kind of cement this classist system while the games themselves are easy, easily accessible kind of thing. The ones who really excel are the ones who are willing to able, willing to spend a little bit extra money sort of thing. And um, I don't know, like, you know, they're goods and goods cost money. And the more money you have, the more goods you have. It, it does. I mean, money is one resource, but another thing that people don't have a lot of t- a lot of like I guess it's of money now or is, time. is time. Yeah. So the players that let's say work full time and um, they don't have literally the time resource to get involved in like raid parties and things like that, they can use microtransactions to maybe keep up with their friends when they don't necessarily so they can raid or they can play with their friends. That that have the time to. Do you think it, it is that though? Because I think some of the more hardcore players who would be playing a lot and actually having a huge amount of time would also then be using those abilities to to use to, to kind of jump ahead as well. You know, mm-hmm. these time saving uh, abilities that are in there for that reason. Yeah. So you know, are they using that to actually push themselves even further ahead? That's that's true. That can be done as well. I think there's a, there was talk in WoW. I think about like um, when characters could be boosted artificially. And then um, in Destiny, that's definitely a thing. You can buy, I think, a... I can't remember what the uh, the modifier like, is it's called. I don't know. But it boosts, like you, boosts you up to level 25, yeah. which allows you to just really quickly, I guess, attain that level that a lot of Guardians have been at for a while now. And look, I don't want, to, I want people to think that we, we're against the idea of in-app purchases or whatever. Just kind of more aware of that it's not all kind of... You know, it's not all just basic advantageous stuff that there is kind of... Uh, it does create, come like you know, a hierarchy, I guess, in in players and communities. Yeah, there is that, and I mean, it's something to have a discussion about because this is something that couldn't have existed years ago. Yeah, this is just correct. This just is couldn't have issue. happened. Yeah, and you know, there is these situations where well, people have, you know, people will always use anything to kind of bright, you know, go on and and talk about stuff and and all of this stuff. You know, and competitively, you know, we have people mm-hmm. who are kind of bragging and all of this thing. But then there's also this money factor as well that's kind of involved with this, where you have these people who say, well, yeah, look, I can afford to buy X and Y and Z. And I'm, I'm someone who runs around with the limited edition console skins of the, you know, pre-order bonus and all of that stuff. Most people don't pay it any mind, but there will be people out there saying, well, you know, you obviously couldn't go out and do this. Or- it, it was interesting, like the one experience, I hate to bring up GTA again, mm-hmm. but I was driving around in my car in GTA which is the Dominator, and that's based off the mu- the Mustang, and that that car is a free qu- car. Quotation marks. You can just find it on the street. And someone came up to me and started ridiculing me for driving that around. What the hell? And I was like, and they were like, "That's a free car. What are you doing? You're poor." And I was like, "I guess I am. I guess I am. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> if you want to look yeah. at it like that." <laughs> yeah. look, and then I like but I like the way that car looks. I like the way it, I like the way that car handles. And yeah, I do have other better cars. That's the one I was driving this sort, at the time. This sort it was of really behavior funny. is nothing new. Yeah. You know, people are attributing uh, you know monetary value to actual value. Um, you know, you go back to the schoolyard, and you know the people with the 
you know, I don't know, freshest kicks or whatever, you know, kind of lauding on the people. That I remember that one kid who had the uh, the Casio uh, watch that uh, could do TV remotes and yeah, oh, lauding it over the people that. Yeah, that's the. I wanted that watch that, that so badly. Really cool. I really and he would just turn the volume down on Which my G-Shock uh, the could TV. Do that. Yeah, yeah, during the during <laughs> classes and stuff. Very funny. Um, so it's been a bit preachy, but uh, <laughs> a bit preachy. A little. No, I mean, I mean, we want to have discussions about Be this nice. sort of thing, and I think yeah, that's yeah. that's the big factor of it that we mm-hmm. do actually want to know you know, what these things are. They affect people behind the screens and behind the controllers. There are impacts on, on the way that people are behaving and, you know, you, your words and, and deeds can have actions. So, you know, I don't want to see a situation where we do have this sort of, you know, haves and have nots or, in, in yeah, games us, where us people, you know, where someone who is is basically determined by how much money they're going to put into a game um, or, you know, that skill isn't a value or, you know, enjoyment isn't a value. It's more that who has impacted that you know put their most cash into it you know that that is the main fear i think among people in online communities they just they fear that that people with big wallets will just dominate the game there's enough have not and haves and division in the world outside of gaming that i feel i I, you know i want it to be a more inclusive kind of world but a community that we can all enjoy that's right everybody needs to remember that it is in the developer's best interest for that not to happen yeah, cause because want... at the end of the day, they want people playing the game and they want everyone playing the game. And as soon as they introduce that kind of discrepancy between two different types of players, either there's just only one thing can happen. The people that aren't having fun will stop playing. And they know this. And that that's why this kind of thing, it, it just won't happen. I just don't think it will. The developer will not allow that to happen. Because it just it doesn't make sense. Stop. Yeah, yeah. It's so but, you know these things do spiral out of control. You know they do before people know, and then you know it can take a while, and then sometimes the reputation can be can be damaged. But yeah, it's it's an ongoing conversation about where we sort of sit and and all that sort of thing. Uh, that's all we've got time for today. So thank you very much for joining us for episode forty of Pixel Sift. We'll be sticking sticking up links to the show on the show notes for this episode on our website, which is uh, pixelsift.com.au. If you've been enjoying the show so far, we'd love to hear from you um, and get your feedback. If there's any topics as well that you'd like us to check out, you can send us an email uh, to hello at pixelsift.com.au. Scott, if people want to uh, reach out but their Gmail or their Outlook is broken, where else should they go to? <laughs> uh, you all know the drill. Facebook.com forward slash Pixelsift, Twitter.com forward slash Pixelsift, Twitch.tv forward slash Pixelsift, and YouTube.com forward slash Pixelsiftau. And Mitch, we've got 39 other episodes and Let's Plays <laughs> and much more. If people want to check out more of that stuff, uh, where should they go to? All that stuff is available on our website. And uh, all of that stuff is available on our website and on you can subscribe to the old episodes on iTunes, Pocket Casts, or on the RSS link on the website. Yeah. And if you leave us a rating or review, that would be fantastic. We'd really appreciate it. So that's uh, all we've got time for. We'll see you guys again next week. <laughs> see ya. Yeah, see ya. <laughs>